Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right. This is our special podcast. Your donations make us able to do awesome shows like this. We got a great guest, Andrew. We got Mike Triplett, ESPN Saints blogger. You know him. He was at the Times Picayune. He used to do be the beat writer for Times Picayune. And, and Mike, I think you even did LSU beat writer way, way back when, right? Yeah, that's where that's what I started when I got hired here in '03, and I brought him a national championship. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> real, yeah. Real. Yes, that's the drunk history one. We we, we will have I, I Mike, I have tried to get famous people on the drunk history. They have turned me down. But if you want to come on and you want to drink and talk about like uh anything of Saints history related and we can talk Iowa football, if you want to do it, I will have you on. <laughs> I, I might just accidentally do it some. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, we got to talk about the, the Saints roster. They have signed uh, every offensive lineman, uh, I think, in the Deep South. They are like an old lady at Dorignex uh, stocking up for a hurricane, and offensive linemen are the supplies. <laughs> What's going on with the current roster construction? And is Andres I'll take, Pete, I'll take that in fact, alive? Do we hope Andres, Andres uh, Pete's injury turns out to have, have the lasting effect of Tropical Storm Gordon? And it, it was all <laughs> yes, exactly right. Um, it, it's look, a scare. I think we put the 53-man roster under a microscope in week one because we all do our 53-man roster projections and we cover cut-down day like it's a presidential election. But then in week four, if they make two moves on a Tuesday, nobody pays any attention. So, uh, you know, I think there are four or five spots on the roster that have to do with what your needs are that that particular week. And in this particular week, they want to make sure they've got experienced backup offensive linemen. Maybe it means they don't want to take Will Clapp or maybe even Cameron Tom into the game. They're guys they want to keep on the roster. But, oh, shoot, if they need a starting guard this week, they want it to be Josh Ribius and and now they need a starting guard slash tackle. Maybe they want it to be Michael Ola. I, I think that's what leads to decisions like that. The running back stuff is nuts, though. Uh, they're obviously going to have a third running back by Sunday. Um, I, you know, I didn't even bother, you know, checking with sources on Jonathan Williams and Boston Scott on cutdown day. I thought those two guys were roster locks. Now, uh, I think maybe Jonathan Williams will be back up since he's been on the practice squad. And who knows, maybe there's gamesmanship involved. Maybe Williams will play even more than Gillis did, but, but obviously they exposed him to waivers. So that was, a, uh, that was definitely the surprise to me was how thin they ended up running back for a short while there. But I think they'll have to become game day. Yeah, man, this, this, uh, this week has been nuts with the roster. And I mean, there's, you mentioned the gamesmanship. I think we always expect that there's going to be, 
a shuffle uh, with the lineup, and and obviously that happened. But I think at Saints fans, I think if you take the temperature on Twitter, the real it's never a good idea. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's never a good idea. But <laughs> but I tend to do it anyway because I'm a glutton for punishment. And uh, you know, I think that the temperature is uh, fans in general are really disheartened by, especially the draft picks. So you look at Natrell Jamerson, you look at Cameron Moore. Obviously, Boston Scott was a huge surprise a couple days ago, uh, or yesterday. And so, you know, those guys are being cut in favor of keeping 10 linemen. I mean, that seems like a lot. But I'm curious, what, what's kind of been the biggest surprise for you uh, in this week? Yeah, um, I agree with you. The, the draft pick thing is disappointing. I, I take it two different angles. One, the, the, the thing you can't do is, say, keeping blank instead of um, – uh, they kept 10 linemen instead of their draft picks or, you know, I think everybody like was making the direct comparison of what they signed Mark Gillisley and cut Nate Stupa or Stoop, you know, we don't, you know, um, Mike Gillisley, they're blaming Mark Ingram suspension for having to cut Nate Stupa. It doesn't necessarily work that way. Think of the last three roster spots as the movable part spot. Uh, they're going to change every week, all season long. They'll probably have Andy Tanner in there at some point. It's like telling like you use the last pick in your fantasy draft to handcuff your first round running back. It doesn't mean that uh, you're taking Spencer Ware because you think he's better than Traquan Smith. But if you got Kareem Hunt, you need Spencer Ware on your fantasy team. That that's what they're doing with those final draft spots. So you don't make a direct comparison. But yeah, it's it's a bad sign that they missed on those draft picks. I know all, I I was included in the group that said. Well, this shows you how deep the Saints roster is now. It shows you how high the standard is. You don't just automatically get to make the roster because they put you in the fourth round. But there is no question that you have to officially say they miss on all three of those picks or four now. They, they cut four draft picks. Those guys would have made the roster if they were good enough. They kept undrafted rookie Taylor Stallworth. They kept undrafted rookie JT Gray. Those guys turned out to be better than the guys they drafted. So they did miss on all four of those picks, and it's right, it's fair to be disappointed about yeah, well, you just mentioned special team. They're clearly emphasizing special teams in a way I think they necessarily haven't before Mike Westhoff got there. Uh, but can they afford to keep Taysom Hill and JT Gray, who are basically only going to play on special teams? Yeah, that's another position that I, I almost feel like I'm going to start doing my 53-man roster projections and make that a category. It, it's so hard to drill that point home to a lot of fans, I think, sometimes. There are guys that make every roster in the league, and that's all they do. I mean, that goes back to Steve Gleason and Fred McAfee. You know, um, they cut Trey Edmonds and Nate Stupart, two guys who were on the team in years past just for special teams. Those are roles. Justin Hardy is another one. Nobody heard of Justin Hardy. I think he actually arrived uh, in week one or week two last year. He wasn't on the active roster to start week one, and he was a fantastic special teams player for them last year. So, that, that is every team in the league. Uh, shoot, use Matthew Slater in that role. I don't think he's ever seen a snap. You know, uh, Courtney Roby was that for years. That is a position on the Saints team. That's about four positions on the Saints team. So those guys do not have – Chris Banjo is another one that, that I think is really underrated. Um, it doesn't bother me when they keep guys if they're going to start on all those guys. Mike, it looks like right now – um, Mike Gillisley is going to get carries Sunday. Uh, how effective can he be having only studied this, this offense in the playbook for a week? 
Oh, well, his role is going to have to be limited. It, it makes me wonder. That's why I mentioned gamesmanship. It makes me wonder if the plan was to use Jonathan Williams the whole time and they had like an agreement just to mess with each other or something. But uh, um, I, I think Mike Gillisley is veteran and experienced enough that he can step in and carry a football. I can't imagine they're going to want to use him in a lot of pass protection. Sean Payton already said he's not going to catch a lot of passes for them. So if they're true to form and they don't want to overwork Alvin Kamara, Gillespie is just going to be doing east down running stuff. I think we are going to have to see a third running back get some snaps that has some experience in this offense, and maybe that will be Jonathan Williams. You know, with the, the spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Roster churn, and you you said, you know, we cover cut down day like a presidential election. Uh, The Teddy Bridgewater trade it feels like it happened three months ago right yeah I'm talking kidding, to the right? saints since since the trade talking you know uh to to people behind the scenes and 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 that sort of thing what's your sense of the long-term plan for bridgewater in new orleans as sort of what they what they want to do and how they maybe see it playing out with him it's a weird situation Robin. i know you and i were were sort of on the same page on twitter and that yeah, we love Teddy Bridgewater. Like, if this was a deal where he had three years left on his contract or or if they had signed him, you know, back in March to a two- or three-year deal to potentially become Breeze's successor, it's an extremely exciting concept. But I just don't get it. He's under a one-year deal. His name is gold right now in a league that covets quarterbacks. I can't imagine any scenario where Teddy Bridgewater agrees to sign an extension or give the Saints like a hometown discount early before he tests the open market. And, and frankly, I, I can't quite guess because he's such a unique situation, but we could be talking about $15, $20 million a year for this guy. So the only way I think Teddy Bridgewater would re-sign with the Saints after this season is if. Breeze is injured or done after this season, or maybe officially announces he's retiring after next season or something. But if Breeze continues to look like he's looked the last couple of years and might start for two or three more, I can't believe they can hang on to Bridgewater. I think they'd want to. And I think it's a double bonus that, hey, our backup quarterbacks weren't getting the job done. Now we've got a backup quarterback we feel great about. And as a bonus, we get to spend the whole year evaluating him and deciding if we want to go after him in free agency. So I understand why the Saints did it, but I think it's an extreme long shot that he's back in New Orleans. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you, Mike. That's um, to me. And the main thing I harped on on Twitter, the, the thing that concerns me, it, it's the contract. It's the one year deal. So, uh, you yeah, know, obviously we'll be keeping close, close eye on that. 
Um, let, let, let's not, and, and first of all, I, I forgot to mention, I, I can't believe that someone made an Andy Tanner joke on this podcast. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, that was amazing. So thank you for that. I know. Uh, we've, we've, we've written, I've written poems to Andy Tanner. <laughs> so the, this whole JT Gray thing, Mike, like it's, it, I'm going to admit it blindsided us. And, you know, he's the kind of guy where, I mean, we, I don't know that anyone was expecting it and I think a lot of Saints fans are seeing Austin Sky get cut and all these rookies that we just mentioned that were drafted and, and JT Gray obviously but he makes the team but, but I just feel like and I remember Ralph and I texting about this just saying like this guy better be like the love <laughs> child of ben, Benny Thompson and Steve Tasker you know he he's gonna have to uh, he, he he needs to be so good that he watches game tape of ambush and laughs at it well, you guys need to change your standard, and, and as influencers of the of the uh, Twitter reaction community that we were discussing earlier, you need to uh, lower the standards for everybody. Look, it, part of it is our fault as reporters that are out there watching practice every day. We just can't evaluate special teamers like we can. And, and look, frankly, we can't evaluate offensive and defensive linemen that well either. I couldn't tell you from watching practice what Taylor Stallworth was doing. I can only hope to clean you know insight from how often they're being used with the ones and twos and, mm-hmm. and what coaches and teammates are saying about them special teams is a lost cause now i've always gone into every preseason game and i immediately write down who is everybody they're using on all four core units and uh mm-hmm. with the first team and the second team and actually nick underhill was the first to point out that jt gray was starting to get some looks with some of those first teamer guys like Anjo and uh, uh, etc. Um, and and he was on his radar. I think I think he put him on his projected man roster. But so so you know there there are signs you can find they're just harder to find with special teamers. But that does not need to be your standard. I mentioned Justin Hardy earlier. I hope you can't find a Saints fan anywhere who thinks Justin Hardy shouldn't have been on the team last year, or Chris Banjo, or frankly Taysom Hill the way he played special teams last well, year. Well, Mike, if Justin Hardy's the standard, JT. Gray needs to block a punt Sunday and score a touchdown because Hardy <laughs> exactly. did that against Tampa. Exactly, but if they would have caught, cut Boston, cut Boston Scott for Justin Hardy last year, you would have gotten the same reaction. It's sort of That's my point. True. And Justin Hardy's yeah. not a Pro Bowl special teamer, but he was a great. You know, you got to make those decisions and try to find the guy who might block a punt. And as a, as a media guy, like you said, it's it's hard to evaluate special teams. Isn't it a case too where? you can maybe notice something and say, hey, he's looking good. I want to do a feature on him. And the Saints can kind of like not help you by not giving quotes or just ignoring you. And be like, ah, you didn't know, Mike. Go, go, go do a feature on Boston Scott or something. And they can, they can really sort of maybe hide those special teams guys if they want to. Well, they're not afraid to do that. It, you know, I mean, they, they wouldn't necessarily do it that overtly. But there were years past uh, where – especially when I used to work for the paper and we used to have like a daily who's hot, who's not column. And I would try to like ask Rick Mueller, Ryan Pace, Hey, you want to tell me who's looking good out here? So, you know, I have some insight for my column and like, they'd flat out say, no, we're not telling you. We read other people's news. <laughs> who they're saying looks good in camp because we know who's plugged in. You're going to have to figure that out on your own. But going into the season, have, have Saints coaches or front office personnel or even you on your own, sort of, and if off the record, of course. But have what's their sort of the the rumblings that you hear that they're maybe concerned about? Um, no, that's a really good question. Um, well, you can't tell them to go off, off the record and 
say it on the podcast. Well, no, he can't. Well, he can tell. No, he can tell I, me what they're know, concerned but, about. He just can't. Right. He can't. He can't say. You know, Sean Payton sat down with me right, and had a beer, right, and the right. linebackers are terrible. You're, you're right. Yeah. No, you're right. Though. I mean, I try to do that. I try to get. You know. You know. Where I try to get it. That's sort of something that I really try to make part of my job description is knowing what's going on, even if it's not in the on-record quotes. And I mean, I definitely get. Uh, I wonder about the receiver group. Now, Sean Payton did say this on the record where he said, you know, this group is written in chalk right now. Um, and he's been pretty hard on Ted Ginn Jr., who's the one experienced guy this offseason. And they go and keep Austin Carr. I, I would not be shocked if Austin Carr is starting in the slot this week and Cameron Meredith maybe isn't quite ready since they kept him um, and used him ahead of Meredith in the fourth preseason game. Uh, it's just like an extra body at receiver that they have right now. I think Traquan Smith is going to be a stud, but, you know, they've been pretty open talking about how he's only learned one receiver position so far and still working on assignment alignment stuff. So I think that is a sneaky, untested group, especially when you throw in the fact that, you know, we don't know what we're going to get out of this tight end group as far as pass catchers. And the Saints had the problems on third downs last year. It's deep with a lot of guys who could break out. But I'm not sure who's ready to break out in that receiver group right away in week two and who, who they're going to completely trust and be go-to guys beyond Michael Thomas and Alan Smith. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, Yeah, especially as a fantasy guy. Uh, I th- I've talked to a lot of Saints fans who have taken Traquan Smith with their last pick, especially if they're in yeah. leagues where with non-Saints fans and uh, you know, hoping that that will pay off down the road. So it'll be interesting I know a lunatic it, kind of that paid $15 for Traquan Smith in an auction league. I got to get in more Saints fan leagues. I, I'll know the pattern. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, Mike, our, our podcast league, uh, Julio, you know, this, is, this is a true testament to playing in a Saints league. Julio Jones went 17th overall. <laughs> I can see that. But I'm different. I'm a diehard Cubs fan, and I load up on, like, Cardinals and Astros. and Well, Astros, it's been years since I've seen them. I don't need to invest in Chris Bryan as a Cubs fan. I'm already invested, man. I, I like to I like to draft, uh, you know, the ace pitcher for the Cardinals, and then if he, he gets Tommy Johnson, I'm like, oh. I like that. It's a good attitude. Well, you you've been, <laughs> Mike. You've been. You're the old guard now, man. I feel like you working for Times Picayune and Old.com and ESPN now. I feel like you. There's a lot of fresh new faces um, that have not been covering the Saints for as long as you. Um, and I'm curious like your perspective is really interesting to me because you have the the historical and you know the time to task knowledge of just being around the saints so i'm curious if this year's any different for you do you feel like uh the mood around this team kind of compared to other years you've covered under peyton is, is different well i've got bad news for you because the expectations around this team remind me a lot of 2014 i know uh, that, that's that, that, especially especially the external expectations i mean this is exactly what i mean the same amount of people predicted him to win the super bowl didn't archie manning come out that year and said this is the best roster the saints have ever had and yeah uh, they, they had a lot of young guys who broke out the year before but i do think that, that make everybody not jump off the bridge after saying that i do think they learned some lessons from that team and that it was sort of a team of outlaws, you know, Rob Ryan and uh, uh, young Kenny Vaccaro and Keenan Lewis and Junior Gillette and all the, you know, Akeem Hicks, a lot of guys who were ready to go to their first of many Pro Bowls uh, uh, from that. And, and they did let it get to their head. I mean, all those 
all those like stereotypes about reading their own press clippings. I think that uh, Rob Ryan famously said they were all drinking the Kool-Aid, him included. And I think they're cautious not to do that. I think they're investing in people that they think are really internally motivated and hard worker. And, you know, it's nice to say all those things. It, it You know, human nature always gets in the way. But I think they're a little bit, you know, I, I, I trust who the four star players are. I mean, they had seven pro bowlers. They could have had 10 last year. And I think you trust all 10 of those guys to continue to be really good for them, including that rookie class. And the other thing is, this is probably the most balanced Saints team of all of them that I've ever covered. Now, they, I think they were better in 2011 and 2009 because those were like all-time great offenses. Uh, but now I think passing game, running game, offensive line, which might be the best they've ever had, and defense – they can win in so many different ways. They're not just counting on one thing. It doesn't all fall apart if Drew Brees isn't Superman on a given day. They have a corner. They have a pass rusher. I think it's it's the most balanced, and I, I think that's why I trust that the season can play out a lot like last one did once they got their act together. How confident? How do you feel linebacker is going to shake out for the Saints? Because they've been saying, "Hey, we're going to play. The, we don't know what's going to happen here. We're going to play this guy here. We're seeing the. We're going to play the best guys." How do you see it uh, shaking out? Yeah, that, that would. You, you asked what I think the Saints' biggest concern is, and I haven't necessarily heard anyone say linebacker, but it's my biggest concern from watching this team. I, I especially in a division where we've been watching Levante. David and, and Thomas Davis and now Deion Jones. Uh, it's, you know, the Saints have not had that athletic linebacker who can cover the Alvin Kamaras of the world, and I still don't think they have it now. I, I, I know the, the backlash against me when I was sort of surprised how much I paid for Demario Davis. I think Demario Davis will be a great upgrade and will be their most athletic linebacker, but I still think he should be playing middle linebacker um, or especially at least the, you know, the inside guy in nickel packages. Maybe Alex Anzalone will come along and he'll be that weak side linebacker. I think those two need to be the two on the field in coverage, um, although we haven't seen a ton of that yet. I think Klein and, and Teo are, are both good players, but base down linebackers. And so I wonder how good that unit is going to be in pass coverage. I do. So, uh, Mike, finish this sentence the, then. The Stefan Anthony pick, so, sorry, the, the <laughs> Stefan Anthony pick, I think, uh, hurts there. You know, that was the guy they had a vision for um, to, to maybe be that guy that could run sideline to sideline and be that cover guy. So that's where, yeah, as I hear you talk about it, I just think about Stefan Anthony and that's things. Yeah, although he was, again, kind of projected as a middle linebacker with coverage ability. Uh, it's funny that this team just never seems to have gravitated toward that traditional weak side linebacker. It, it's it's very similar to the tweener pass rusher. This this team, even through different defensive coordinators, they've never really had a vision for it, which is kind of why Holly Kakaha and going all the way back to Rob Ninkovich didn't work out there. They're big on size, I think, with this team. So they don't—they're not in the the wave of like 220-pound uh, weak side linebackers that we've seen, uh, you know, sprouting in this league. Dan Jones, for one, even though he plays in the middle, a two, what like a 220-pound middle linebacker there. They they like a little more size, which is fine, but uh, it, it does always make me want—you know—linebackers and pass coverage ha- have been a concern for this team, and a lot of times. They make up for that by using three safeties, and they absolutely have loaded up on safeties this year. All right, we'll finish this sentence, Mike. Uh, and you can't you can't use injuries. You can't. It's health. Okay. 
can't be a can't, health can't be a factor in this answer. But the Saints win the Super Bowl if they stay helping them. Um, <laughs> if the um, all right, if uh, the Saints win the Super Bowl, if I think if they avoid the sophomore slump, if, if Marshawn and I'll say sophomore slash junior year slump because I think we need Marshawn Lat see Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, Ken Crawley, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchek. I think they all need to play as good or better than they did last year, uh, which was a which was great. So it's asking me a lot. And uh, the, and I, I think the two positions that really need to come on strong that have question marks are receiver, as we talked about, and then that second pass rusher position. Either Alex Okafor or Marcus Davenport or some combination of those two has to, has to give them what Okafor was giving them for the first 10 weeks of last season. All right. Finish this, finish this sentence. Iowa will win the Big Ten F. If Kirk Ferentz is on the hot seat, so I think we're about a year away. He's—he's. He's, I always joke he's every four years like the Olympics. Like right now, things are good. He has to come into a season with people saying, "Oh, I think it might finally be time to get rid of Ferentz," and then he goes eleven and one, gets an extension, and he's good for another four years. He's my—he's my idol. He just stays there forever and makes ridiculous amounts of money and turns out one great His season every four years. Timing is immaculate every year, every time. He's like, Mike, thanks for joining. Three, three titles in a row. I'm going to spread these things out. He knows what he's doing. Smart. <laughs> I like it. It's a good theory. You got to for job can't... security. <sighs> Mike, so thanks for giving Ron us Rivera plan. Ron Rivera's been doing that a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, uh, every once in a while, they start talking about, oh, they're going to get rid of me. We better go. <laughs> I wonder, like, who's who would be? Would Ron Rivera? Would he be the NFL equivalent of Ferentz? I feel like. Oh, I'm trying to think of the NFL equivalent of Ference. Maybe Marvin not Andy Re- uh, It's tough. I, I hate to say it because Peyton is not a good comparison because Peyton is one of the greatest offensive minds. But his mm-hmm. his his pattern has sort of been Ference like. It's like every once in a while he needs to remind it. You know, they'll they'll go seven and nine for a minute, and then he'll remind everybody, "No, we're still one of the top." And then there's yeah. a couple seven and nine. You know, it, it, the, it's the. Uh, it's the like Jeff Fisher just stayed at seven and nine. I, yeah, it reminds me of Aaron does it every once in a while. Oh yeah, one of the you know we're the team that people are gonna predict. Yeah, it's it that is it's Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton is the guy. But uh, Mike, thanks so much for joining us, giving us time. Uh, people, you can find him on Twitter. You can find him at ESPN.com. He's the Saints beat writer. Uh, thanks for giving us time, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. All right, anytime, guys. Thanks, Mike.